0: What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of The Awaken Soul Podcast. I'm your host, CEO Hayes. You can follow the podcast at Awaken Soul Pod or at The Awaken Soul Pod, just depending on where you're looking for us at. You can also follow me personally at CEO Hayes, that's H A I Z E. We are back for episode 118 of The Awaken Soul. That's 118 episodes, damn. And this week we are jo- joined by uh, Rome, from the Hours of Truth podcast and also my brother BJ from Change the Subject and r 2 Pod, and Teach Me How to Love You Better. Uh, He does he does a lot of podcasts like I do and we are discussing we're kicking off Suicide Prevention Week actually discussing the importance of black male vulnerability and it's funny that this this episode was not originally planned to drop this week but it's funny how that works out because a lot of times black men or people in general will suffer from thoughts of suicide due to them not being able to talk through their vulnerability and learn how to be vulnerable. So, some symmetry there. It's a very deep and great discussion. We talk about how we are going to teach our children, our our, our sons, how to be vulnerable. Um, what we learn, our moments of vulnerability, and just it's it's a really great and reflective episode. Like we've been delivering here lately on the Awakened. so Soul. We we've been kicking off the content. I've actually scheduled. Um, Discovering Yourself Through Divorce Part 2 will actually be the next episode that we release. And then after that, we're getting back to the deconstruction of transphobia. I uh, got some great guests lined up for both of those topics. So I'm, I'm excited to finish this series. I'm already working on what the next set of series is going to be for this podcast. So we're kicking on all cylinders here. I want to take some time out at the top of the show to shout out everyone who was involved with the Cloud City event here in Columbus, Ohio that went down this weekend. I was blessed enough to be asked to do a live podcast during that event and it was just it was an amazing experience there were creatives uh, podcasters there filmmakers there uh musicians there uh, comedians there and like to, to just kind of set the tone like this it was a space that was rented out so over the course that this that this is going on you have vendors that are selling uh their products um it, it, it was just it was a great creative space painters and so it was a big location or venue and you had these pockets of things going going on at the same time and it was just it was refreshing to be around other creative minds um, from all backgrounds and walks of life I um, made some connections you'll be hearing me appear on some other podcasts uh, due to due to the connections that were built there and really what we're trying to do with creative culture and why I do love the city of Columbus, Ohio so much is that, it, it's it's bubbling and we have amazing creatives from every one of those avenues. And I always talked about how the Midwest kind of lacks the infrastructure that some of the other areas has, like on the East Coast with New York or in California. We don't have that infrastructure that the creatives are all working together. This was one of the first events to kind of buck that trend. You had people from all different walks of life really being involved in this event. So shouts out to everyone who put on the event who got to perform there, uh, the people who attended the event next year is going to be really big um, as well. And I also want to mention the Creators Brew that uh, the Breaks Media and the Armory of Dreamers are throwing together here in the city that's coming up at the end of this month. What that is, is a chance for it's, it's labeled as Ohio Creatives, but all creatives to come out. If you guys want to come out, let me know um, and really just network and build with other creatives. It's not a live show. Um, you got not to worry about no one who pushing or trying to sell you anything. It's really just a chance for us to get out and fellowship. It's at a, at Elevator Brewery where they brew some of the, the the best beer locally. So it's really just an an amazing opportunity and chance. And shout out to Shonda for um, really putting that on and and getting that together and having that the the idea to really make that something and so it's 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 going to be good. We're getting the roundtables together as well. There's a lot of stuff uh brewing here um in the city of Columbus as well as just with the Breaks Media as a whole. Um me and BJ have some exciting announcements coming as well. Um but that's it. I think I did enough uh kind of prefacing uh getting you guys ready for this. So, without further ado, we're going to get into our wonderful intro music and after that, it's going to be me, BJ, and Rome discussing the importance of black male vulnerability. The following is a Breaks Media podcast.
1: You are now listening
2: to the best podcast in the world, The Awakened Soul, hosted by my daddy.
0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 118 of The Awakens, 100, 118 episodes. This is wild, bro. Um, but we are here to discuss something powerful, uh, but first let me introduce my guest. First, we got my brother in the building, Mr. Dargo BJ himself from Change the Subject, R2 Sense Pod, Teach me how to love you better. <laughs> Dude, you do entirely too much. Co-owner of The Breaks Media, uh, owner of Mines Media, what don't you do?
3: Sleep. And um pay myself attention. That's pretty much all I don't do.
4: Damn, bro. But yeah, man.
3: Together. But I love what I do. I think um I think it helps me purge. So um shouts out to all of those entities you name.
4: <laughs> because
3: I get to I get to learn myself, figure these things out and become a better person. So That's I'm appreciative.
0: Up. That's what's up. That's what's up. And then first time guest in the building from the Hours of Truth podcast. Mr. Rebel Rome himself is in the building What's going on bro?
1: Yeah you already know man It's the Rebel R-H-O-M-E um, Also starting a media company Trinity Media coming That's soon um, yeah, Also starting a yeah, second show called What Scuffs My Timbs Look out for that and call <laughs> Okay, okay.
0: <laughs> I feel like you got you to gotta record that one in the bodega just because. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, I was thinking about doing some locations and different things and it up. That's what's up, that's what's up. Well, we are here to discuss the power that's in black male vulnerability, and this is something that not many black men I know will openly talk about. So we're going we to try to break some chains in this one, man. Y'all ready?
3: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm ready, I'm
0: ready. All right. So the first topic that we're talking about is how conversations about black men's mental health and how intersex racism aren't usually had in public. Um, and then like the, how the social norms that are imposed on black men affect our ability to admit when we're depressed. So that's a lot to unpack there. Who wants to attack that one first?
1: Yeah. I mean, since I'm since I'm the new newbie here, all right. I, I'll go first. Um, just as far as vulnerability, right? Yes, sir. Just. Being from where I'm from, right? Like I'm from New York. I grew up in the projects, and that's just one thing that we aren't taught as kids. Like I always say, that the two things that I learned about was getting pussy and getting paid. Okay. Like
4: mm-hmm. no,
1: nobody ever taught you, like you know, how to be a man, how to be a family man, or, um, how to love your children, or like how to love your kids if you have a son. Right, like to show him that affectionate love, like just um, picking up my son from school today and dropping him off with his mom, like just I always make sure he give me a kiss on the cheek. Mm -hmm. Oh, he's about to be seven years old. Like that's my son. Like that's my pride and joy. I love him like that. So, um, just it's really difficult to unlearn these things. But as I've grown older, it's just um, something that I just been trying to pay attention to.
0: That's what's up.
4: That's
0: what's mm-hmm. up. Especially like with the kids. And I've experienced that with my kids as well. I try to always show my kids affection because my my, is, my dad was a great father. I say that all the time. But he was the typical stereotypical army man. Like he didn't I can't I can't imagine me. And my. Well, I can't remember too many times me and my dad hugged. But like with my sons, I hugged my sons all the damn time. Before bed, when they wake up in the morning, before they about to leave my presence, like my my youngest son is he hugs everybody all the damn time. So, like, I try myself. I've had to learn that because at first it was like like when my son was born, it felt awkward just holding him. And I know most fathers feel that. But for me, it was more of a like, how do I how do I hold this this little ass kid? I don't even know how to hug. You feel me? So, like. Uh It, it, I, mm-hmm. I, I had I had to learn that, um, but that's just I I relate to that as a father, BJ. What do you think about it?
3: Well, vulnerability was probably one of the very first emotions I remember feeling, um, because like I've always been the kid that confused how I truly felt with a lot of the things that I was like expressing, like um, you know how like sometimes when people Well, no, perfect example, women, how the one attitude can represent four different stages in their life. Like, you know, the attitude could be, oh, she may be hungry. She might be cramping. Like, even though it shows the same sides or the same signages, it Mm -hmm. represents so many things. So I used to be always the kid that would express myself and not really know what's wrong with me. And so it would make me more emotional because I was like internalizing a lot of my stresses or a lot of my feelings. So being vulnerable was easy, but making sense of it was the difficult part, yeah. you know, because um, nothing I ever felt was actually given an identity. Like you, um, if you cried, it was like, okay, you weak, you know, toughen up. So now I'm like confusing my sensitivities and believing that they're not valid. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm, I'm feeling these feelings and I know that I'm hurting I know that I'm feeling a certain level of pain, but I'm confusing it with weakness. I'm confusing it with um, being belittled, or you know, like all of these different things. So you don't really get to identify with most of it. Um, so it will, it wasn't really that I struggle with vulnerability. I struggle with the identity within the vulnerability. Okay. You know, because it was always confused with another emotion. You know.
0: So in, in like how have you what have you done to try to break out of that? Like what are the processes that you've taken and that you advise someone else who's trying to get in touch with their vulnerability on what they could do to get through that?
3: Um, the first thing that I had to do was like shut unhealthy people the fuck up. Like, you know, stop telling me that yeah. what I'm feeling is a a burden, is a like disposition of the entire gender or race that I come from or like stop giving me the responsibilities of other people and pay attention to me as a person, Hmm. you know, um, that was the first thing. And then the second thing I believe it was, was I had to realize that it was nothing to be ashamed of. You know, um, we give certain privileges to people that we don't even give to ourselves. We make the provisions for our families But we don't take care of ourselves so like you have to stop being ashamed of the very things that you're trying to protect your family from own that you feel it too. share those moments with those people too so that we can better support each other it was so many different phases of acceptance i had to go through in order to make being vulnerable comfortable you know so um that was my process but it's still an everyday struggle because you still have some somebody trying to manipulate a way to make you feel like being a vulnerable black man is an issue or a problem, you know, so it's a fight that we got to keep fighting, and we have to accept our brothers feeling those feelings. We have to encourage our brothers, it's okay. It's cool to cry. have your moment, bro, like don't I think as men, sometimes we try to like toughen them up in those moments oh man, this nigga over here crying, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, let, let him have that moment so that he can visually see his breakthrough or visually understand that, okay, it's cool, this is accepted. I didn't get, you know, torn down or dismissed because I felt a real thing within myself, you yeah. know what I'm saying? So that's how I feel about it.
0: I feel that. What You got anything to uh, come back with that on, wrong? Um,
1: no, nah, he pretty much said it all. Like it's just stop allowing people to place their expectations on you and, and vice versa. Like, I think that's the thing that we do as a whole, like anybody is me, and you and me and BJ, we all live a different life. Yeah. So let's not place those expectations on one another and allow people to be vulnerable in those moments that they feel. Cause mm-hmm. The way he love and the way you love and the way I love and how we all receive love is different. So if we vulnerable or we feel a way about something or if we cry when we mad or we cry when we get our heart broken, that's just how we are. Like, right, that's right. it is. And don't try to turn it into something that should be a stereotype. Like, oh, you
0: you crying, that's
1: mad gay or like, yeah, that's like, whack.
0: Quite, and I know this isn't on the list, so I may throw you guys for a loop for this one. When's the last time you cried?
3: Shit, yesterday. What
0: uh, the you cried yesterday?
3: Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Like, you know, um, I have a, I have a strain, uh, um, emotional strain with uh, my job. Okay. And, you know, um, you, have you ever, like, been in a position where you had to fight for your peace? Oh, yeah. All the time. You know what I'm saying? And, um... I've you know I've kind of mentioned this like a little bit on um Twitter but um my I'm a truck driver and naturally our company has this new DOT policy where we have to have trackers on our truck and you know every morning before I start work I have to meditate because um there's a spiritual practice that I take where I try to be grateful for even the the struggles because I realized that even in this particular space, I've come from way worse than this. So um, I try to encourage myself and not be defeated with some of the pressures that I take or that I take in from work. So um, one morning, you know, I do my usual meditation for like 25 minutes. And out of nowhere, my phone kept ringing. So naturally, as one, a black man, and you know, your phone is ringing off the hook, you automatically think that it's an emergency and something happened. Cause it's not typical or usual. Yeah. So my anxiety went crazy because I'm right here in meditation and out of nowhere I get in my pocket, get my phone out, and it's my boss. And he like, Well, your truck been sitting idle for 30 minutes. What are you doing? And yeah. that was that moment I'm like, Damn, my nigga, I'm praying in my mind. But, you know, even in that space, it was like, Okay, so now I'm being monitored and whether you know it or not, it takes me a lot to do my job. And now my meditation is being interrupted. Mm -hmm. I broke down right there. Like, damn, I can't get no peace. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And those days where, you know, I got to motivate myself to do my job, you know, constantly being disrespected by customers, constantly being, you know, pushed and moved around by law enforcement because I work downtown in the major epicenter of the city they don't want your big-ass truck sitting in the middle of the street. So, like, you're being harassed constantly. And you don't know if that conversation with that cop or that sheriff is going to go left. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, right then and there, it was just like, damn, I can't get no peace. And I found myself crying right there. Like, you know. And it felt good to get that shit out because it, then I yeah. went I went and did my thing and it was like, all right, cool. You know, just get it how you live at this point. Like, just make the best of
0: it. So Big facts. Big facts. Yeah. Ron, what about you? Uh
1: the last time I cried, I want to say it was about a few months ago. Um I don't know, something just came over me and you know music is music has been very influential in my life and uh, a few of the songs that I listen to just back to back just just had me in my feelings just about the world and the things that we endure as black men. Um one song in particular, J. Cole's Be Free. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That song always get me in my feelings about, you know, just the things that we incur every day as a black man. Like he said, like, you don't know if um, one of those encounters with the police or the sheriff could go left. Like, that's a real fear that I feel every day when I see a police car driving behind me. Yeah, real talk. So, um... Yeah, just a few months ago, I was just in my feelings and a few songs played on my phone back to back and got me, got tears flowing down.
0: The last time I cried was uh, my aunt recently passed away. BJ, I know you know Rome, you may not know. My, My aunt recently passed away, but it wasn't even that. I logged in to Facebook, which I'm rarely on. I think like there's a few days after, it was either a few days after her death or a few days before her funeral. And the last message she sent me on Facebook was, "I see what you're doing, and I'm proud of you, bro." I broke um. down like a baby, like I was done for for a whole hour. I would, you couldn't talk. If somebody would have came up and and said hi to me, I probably would have broke. They probably would have been like, "What? This man's crying because I said hi to him?" Like legit. It was it was too much for me in that moment. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was the last one cried.
3: Yeah. Yeah. But did you get did you get an opportunity to grieve cuz you know that there's a double standard to grief when it comes to a black man too.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. I I would say I'm still in the midst of it, honestly. I'm still in the midst of grief.
3: So like what's that process because I know that like for us um well, I'm going to speak for me. We try to occupy ourselves with creativity or habit to kind of distract us from that moment that we actually need that release. We need that opportunity to mourn. You know what I'm saying? Like feel what you feeling and sit in it and, and let it be real to you because those moments, those moments of grief, are subsided with other people's responsibilities and feelings. We don't even get to, we don't even get to feel the things that our families feel when people die. Like that sounds crazy, but that's just the burden of being a man. Like you can't even cry while the women are crying because you got to make sure everybody else is being held up. So it's like, I have to ask people, like, do you actually grieve? Do you Sit with it and, you know, and get it all out. Like, you know, damn, I wish I had this moment to tell auntie or tell uncle this. Like, do you get to really get those feelings out? You know,
0: I haven't yet. And I know it's going to catch up with me. And, BG, you, you know, you know me a little bit better. So, like, there, I've been burying myself in my creativity. Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. Because it's, it's really... I, it's it's been flowing out so i try to embrace it while it's flowing out but i already know it's going to catch up with me it's the, it, it it's coming and i feel it like on my shoulder and i'm going to have to have that moment that you talked about where i just sit down and just let the shit out and i'm not i'm not mm-hmm. fighting it off it just really hasn't come to me yet so i'm not trying to fight against it but while i'm getting to that point i'm just trying to be as creative as i can be
3: and i know that um whenever there's an opportunity for us to even think about, okay, this is one of those moments where my emotions are going to get the best of me. We deflect from that. And that's one of the most detrimental things that any of us could ever do. You know, um, part of the reason why is because, like I said, you have to give your feelings an identity so that when you realize what they actually are, you can go get some help. You know what I'm saying? If that's what you need, um, like depression, like, um, we don't, we don't readily recognize depression because there's no identity to it in the black community. It's like, it has so many different symptoms. there's so many different signs of it. Like you don't get to really identify with it because everything that you could identify with it, they always make it about something else. That's true. You know? So that's the, that's the messed up part about it. It's like, we don't really get to figure it out to even know that this is what we feeling, you know?
0: Yeah, it's, it's it's a process. And I think like like my grandmother passed away when I was 13. And I think I put that off for 10 years, bro. 10 years I put that off until it caught up with me. And that's when I realized the importance of being able to grieve. That's when I started realizing the importance of it's okay to not be okay. Because it, I put that off forever. Like literally, I'm just like, I'm gonna keep pushing for her. I'm gonna keep putting, she wouldn't want to see me down. She wouldn't want to see me sad. What I'm gonna be sad about. And I was back in in, in her house that she died in and it just was like i saw a picture of her on because my uncle got the house now it was like over the fireplace that shit sent me into a whirlwind bro like like one that i have never felt before and from that point i've tried to i've tried to give myself more time to grieve because i realized that it was a lot of anger in that that i didn't deal with and then on top of that, my parents got divorced like three years later. So it was like those things combined turned me into a crazy person for a long time, bro. A mm-hmm. long time. Um, that kind of brings us to the next question. Um, is that like, how often do you make decisions to protect your own mental health? And I guess I'll add this on. Do you feel ever feel guilty about making decisions that's just to protect your mental health? Not,
3: how, not no
0: more. Not no more. How'd you get, how long no. did it take you to get there? Is that a new thing? Um, it's It's been
3: fairly recent um I feel like um I feel like one of those people who um has been like emotionally abused and it's not in a negative way, but what it is is that like because you've been so strong um they'll pile on the burdens, they'll pile on the struggles, they'll put um infinite amounts of responsibility on you because you're the tough one or. Mm-hmm. You know, um, everybody always tells me like I'm emotionally centered. Like that's because I had to sit in my feelings and figure them out. Like, wasn't nobody caring about the moments when, you know, it'd be like a house full of people and BJ would walk through the whole house, say hi to everybody, go in this room, close the door and cut the light off. It was just like a normal thing. Oh, that's just him. That's what he does. But they didn't know I'm in there suffering. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, um, when it got to a point of not being ashamed, I just started speaking out, like, you know, telling people, you drive me crazy. You get on my fucking nerves. Damn. You know what I'm saying? And when you get those things out, one, they're shocked because they're so used to you not saying nothing or burying yourself in that dark place. But um, once I started communicating my truth and telling people how I really felt, um, getting it off, made me feel better. But then again, I'm beginning to learn about, you know, empathy and all of these different things by just expressing myself. So giving a black man the opportunity to figure those things out actually helps him to come to certain realizations about his feelings, because while he's expressing, he's learning, you know. Mm -hmm. So that's how I got it out, just telling people what it really was. And now, like, I don't have to tell you, I'll just completely remove you. Like, I'm not going to you know, go through the processes of making you understand something that has been presented more than one time. I'm just going to remove you altogether. So, um, prioritizing your mental health is definitely like number one for me, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's going to stay that way because that's the most detrimental thing to lose at this point of where we are as men. So
0: I think for me, it's like something that I honestly still struggle with. I spent so long like not wanting to process my own mental health because I felt like it was selfish or I felt like nobody wanted to hear that. Or I felt like, what do I look like bitching? Um, and so I'm still learning, honestly, it's still something that I'm working through is learning how to make decisions, putting my mental health first, because it's so like I, it, my kids, my family, my mom, like I, I put, I think about what they need me to do before I think about what I need, if that makes sense.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like, there was a practice that somebody had given me um, not too long ago where um, one of my, you know, spiritual elders that I talk to whenever I just need certain things answered. And um, the funny thing about the conversation was he was asking, he said, like, the the order in which people get served in the house Mm -hmm. is the same order that you're supposed to be prioritized in. Now, that blew me. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, bro, like you about to go into a controversial space by saying this. But think about it. Okay, typically the breadwinner is the person that's supposed to get the first plate. That's the man that put in the time, made the provisions, so naturally he's supposed to get his plate first. So what that teaches you as a man is if you're not okay, how does people in this household get fed. If you're not okay, how does the provisions for the home get taken care of? Like it's a it's a mental training that we just reduce to oh make sure daddy eat. No, it's a it's a it's a system that is set to help you understand what your priority and what your value is to the household. So don't just look at the plate, look at if in fact you're not mentally healthy how damaging it is for all of the other people in the house to get mentally and spiritually fed. Yeah. Like it's it's setting a an order and a tone. So in that moment I'm like damn, I got to really stop thinking about always trying to appease the women. How am I going to be strong for them if I'm not conditioning my my strength? All right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like it's it's a lot of mental stuff that we have to do as men to condition ourselves to be a little bit more aware and in tune with our feelings. Uh,
0: absolutely true. Ron, we're answering the question of how often do we make uh, decisions to protect our own mental, mental health? And then I threw in the, the additional question of, and do you feel guilty when you make decisions that put your mental health first?
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, putting your mental health first Definitely is something that can make you feel guilty. I mean, especially coming from where I come from, like in the sense of having children, right? Like times I get in this space where it's like, I know it's not, it wouldn't be healthy for me to be around my son. So I try to um, like just do the small things from like picking them up from school or taking them to school. Or like, you know, just bringing them something to eat or something just to make sure that I'm present, okay. but still not giving off that bad energy. Um, you know, my situation is, is kind of unique in the sense that, you know, me and his mother, we co-parent very well. We're not together, but um, I don't really get along with her family Okay. So like, being around her family so much and like she's super very like she's very family oriented and being around them just kind of brings me in a space where I typically don't like to be in Okay. because I just like being around like I try to avoid being around people that I don't have to be around. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So uh, just times when I'm feeling down or things might not be going my way. Um I do feel guilty in that sense because um boys look up to their fathers like they want to be their father so he want to be around me all the time sometimes it's just I know it's not healthy for me to be around him damn
0: damn I feel that though I feel it. and that's that's one of those situations when when like people around you regardless of who it is they bring down your mental health you in that situation it's even more unique but it's like you gotta get people like you want naturally it's like let me get these people to fuck up fuck around me but mm-hmm. it's harder to do when it's like your ex's family because what can you say in that, at that situation hey. and then if you don't come around it's like you're not coming around to see your son so then you feel the guilt I'm ima- I am I would imagine right. him because you, you missed out on an opportunity to see your son that's crazy
3: but you know what that's actually emotional intelligence though too true yeah because um The way in which, like, me envisioning being in that position, I would tell my ex, like, look, okay, this is the space that I'm in whenever you bring these people around. I'm not responsible for making you comfortable being around your family while me and my kid are in your presence. That's not my thing no more. So ultimately, what can we do that's healthy for me to, one, be able to mentally be sane, spiritually be in tune, and then also entertain the knees of my child. I want to be comfortable in that space. I don't really fuck with your people like that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, And those are the conversations that I think become easier now that we're understanding what we're feeling because your son mm-hmm. is going to pick up on that vibe that daddy don't really fuck with him. And without knowing it, he's going to inherit something from you yep. that makes him believe that he's being loyal to his dad when it could be very unhealthy for his mental stimulations or his mental growth because he's going to need these very people. He has to identify what he's feeling like dad is uncomfortable. Dad is feeling these tensions. What is it versus like something wrong with my dad? So whatever my dad don't like, I don't like, you know what I'm saying? Like he's going to internalize it in that way. And that could, you know, send the relationship in a totally different direction. So just knowing that you feel those things is a beautiful thing, because now we get to prioritize ourselves, respect our relationships, and then also be healthy for our children. You know, so exactly. that's that's dope.
1: That is you know? exactly the yeah. point because I don't I don't want him to take on uh, my opinions of how I feel about a lot of a lot of things. Period. Mm, right, right. I want him to take on my opinions of those things. I want him to formulate his own. Um so when I'm around those people of course I try to be cordial and you know make sure that you know I'm being respectful but
2: yeah those not my
3: people <laughs> <laughs> I feel you on that
2: yeah he's not my people Mm -hmm. what's up everybody this is dan aka dan on drugs and i am afro becky aka afro becky and we are the black law and legalize Podcast. podcast a weekly legal podcast for the culture Each week, we have conversations with our co-host, Anne, a licensed and practicing slash ratchet ass attorney, as well as myself, a rehabilitated criminal, and our lovely, esteemed moderator, Afro Becky. Most of our topics are legal in nature, and we discuss them in a relatable way. We release new episodes every Tuesday. Yo, you can find us anywhere podcasts are available. Or you can find us on social media at Podcast. So check us out. Or don't. Hey. What? Sometimes people do like the opposites. All right.
0: Uh I think we got I think we got that. We're gonna move into the next section, which is not allowing our masculinity to define us. So the first question in this one is why do we as men generally resort to physical strength, to using physical strength to express how we feel? And that may be when you were younger. I know for me it's it's was a bigger thing when I was younger than now currently, but I definitely wanted to talk about this. And I think I'm sure you guys know. I'm not even going to over-explain it. What do you make of that question? Who wants to answer this one first?
3: Mm. Um. Wow. I'm thinking on it. I'm thinking
0: on it. And by, um. by that, I mean, like, when we can't always express, we don't have the the words right. to express the emotions that we feel, what do we do? We... We punch shit. We flip shit yeah, over. You feel me? True. We want. We want to go out and and box. Like sometimes we bond what through, through slap boxing with our with our brethren. Like I mean, mm-hmm. we we typically are we show a lot of our emotion initially through physical means rather than speak to them, and that's th- because I think we don't know how to talk to them. So,
3: mm-hmm. but I think that's uh, I think what we do in the physical sense is just a reflex because you don't see a lot of the emotions that you deal with coming. Mm -hmm. So naturally when you feel those pressures or those whirlpools of feelings, it's just a natural reflex to respond the first way that comes to your mind. So naturally you are going to probably punch a wall because you felt like something was coming against you. You're trying to defend yourself against whatever you feel like is coming against you. So there's a... There's a training process that comes along where you have to tell yourself, why do I feel as though every time I'm in my feelings, I'm being threatened? Mm. Like, you got to ask yourself that question. Like, why do I feel like there's a threat coming against me just for feeling sad today or just for feeling? And when you ask yourself those questions and figure those things out, your reflexes begin to change because now you're not afraid whether it shows up or not you know what I'm saying? So you just got to take a minute to sit with those feelings. I know that like one of the things that I hate most about any emotion is being mad mm. because I'm petty. I'm like, um, I'm spiritually petty. Like um, <laughs> I went on a date. I went on a date with my girl like months ago to Buffalo Wild Wings. Right. I spent like eighty dollars at Buffalo Wild Wings, and I've been pissed about that shit for like a year and a half. And every, so, and every so often, I think about that that occasion where the motherfucking waiter was just bringing me refills, not telling me that they were free. They weren't free. He just kept bringing them to me like, oh, I'm gonna you know, get you another drink, I'm gonna go get you another drink. In my mind, I'm thinking, this is a free refill type shit. And literally when I got the bill, I'm like, we didn't even eat shit. And this shit was $80. I held on to that shit for so long. And when I tell you, I have not been back there. And it's been like a year and some change. I'm just that person. I, I just internalized my anger for so long. like, mm-hmm. um, And I don't know why that is. I really don't know why that is. But I sit in my anger and say, why do I feel threatened by being angry? What does it make me feel? you know? Um, And then you begin to realize, okay, anger usually comes when I feel like I'm being taken advantage of. So I stop putting myself in positions to be taken advantage of. Anger makes me feel like I'm being less, I'm lesser of whoever is in the same space, dealing with the same, you know, issue, because ultimately this person is the priority and I'm not usually I'm the one being called on when this person didn't come through so I'm always second fiddle like I start to like break down how I feel and then I change the atmosphere that puts me in this place and that's how I help myself mm-hmm. you know so emotional intelligence has has been like a training course I read books on that because I'm an emotional person so being vulnerable sometimes will scare you away from feeling the feelings that you deserve to feel. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's just a it's a constant battle, but I think it's healthy for men to go through it.
1: Okay. Ron, what about you? Um as far as me uh feeling the need to exert myself physically, um I guess when I was younger I did a lot more of like punching the walls and you know when I get upset or be mad about something that my mom did or like my mother put me on punishment like when I was a kid um, now I think it's a lot more controlled um, so whenever I'm feeling stressed or I'm feeling angry, or I feel like I need to get a release like I'll go play a sport like go play basketball or Sundays I play flag football so that's like really been a way to help me exert that energy that I keep balled up in me, whether it's stressed or anger or being upset or being sad sometimes. Like it just helps me like like I found different forms of meditation in a sense, right? Like yeah, yeah like playing basketball has been a form of meditation for me. Like playing football has been a form of meditation podcasting has been a form of meditation therapy yeah so these i found different ways i found ways to put that energy in positive places right rather than putting the wall or flipping tables and stuff like that so
0: i got tired of breaking shit i'm not even gonna lie I got tired of replacing (laughs) shit. I got tired of breaking shit. No, but much like you, Rome. uh, for me, it was sports in high school. Then when that got taken away, it took me a long time as an adult to figure out ways to channel my anger and to channel my emotions. So sometimes it will be Madden. Sometimes it will be 2K. Then if those start pissing me off, then I didn't know what to do. So then it started having to be um, music. I got really heavy into music. I started almost always having the headphones in. Not because I wanted to block out the world, but because that was what centered me. You put on, you put on some Marvin Gaye. I don't care what happens if you put on Marvin Marvin Gaye, give it all up. I don't care if I'm about to kill you. We we family at that point. Like I'm good, I'm good. So like Stevie Wonder, like it started taking me to listen to music to try to find myself, and then then creativity started kicking in. So I started making music. Then it went into, after doing that for a while, it was reading. I, I always had a book in my hand. I was always reading. It helped it helped me escape what was currently going on because now I'm in the world of whatever I'm reading and I'm good. Or if I'm reading something that makes me think that I'm, that's educating me and not like fiction, then I'm, I'm, because I'm taking in it, taking in more knowledge that calms my mind because I'm too busy trying to process what I'm reading. And now it's podcasting podcast, getting behind this microphone has been so therapeutic people who've known me for years have been like, you really seem happy and centered. And it's because I found this. And because of that, it's like, I can get everything I need to get off.
3: Mm -hmm. You gotta have the right people to, um, to be a podcaster though, because I definitely have like threatened to quit several times in this process of, you know, self-medicating and, you know, like actually purging. Like you, when you out there and you done said like, yo, deepest, darkest, whatever. And it's like out there and you can't take it back. I've said I was going to quit so many times, but you got to have like a healthy group of people that make you feel like it's okay, you know, to get those things off because um, a lot of us are still humiliated by a lot of the things that we've experienced on top of what we're now currently feeling. And that sends you into an uh, even darker place because now you regretting saying what you said or like it's, it's so much that goes into podcasting and that people really don't understand. Oh, yeah. Like it just looks like some simple shit. You just turn your mic on, start talking, and then you hit stop. Like, no, it's not. Yeah you know it's it's a i mean definitely a process for me yeah like man it takes me 3 weeks sometimes to do one episode because i have so many feelings to throw into a hour conversation you know so I, I definitely feel like podcasting is therapeutic my, definitely
0: my favorite thing with podcasting is when somebody who has that mindset of is just sitting down in front of a mic and push and record the first time they try to record a podcast and they're like, oh shit, this is not what it is at all. I love seeing, mm-hmm. seeing that recognition come on their face. Cause now that I help so many like people like here locally, like do podcasts, it's like, ah, you see it now. It's not that simple. So, mm-hmm. um, but to get, to get back on track, the one 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 question here that I posted on uh, Twitter a few weeks ago, and I really wanted us to talk about it here is like, is is the suck it up, you can cry later mindset a big reason as to why men do not process emotions correctly or effectively? Rome, I'm coming to you first on this one. What do you think? The the suck it up, you can cry later mindset. So you coming to me first? Yeah. Um, the
1: suck it up, don't cry mindset is, is definitely why we don't process our emotions. Um, I think the biggest thing about that is that the women push it on men. Ooh. Thanks. mm <laughs> You get get a lot of people talking about toxic masculinity. Uh And I know, you know, being a toxic feminist is not really a thing, but the women push it on men a lot more than the men push it on each other. Um, you know, sometimes I have to have conversations with my son's mother about the way that she pushes it on my son. I'm like, yo, you gotta let him be a kid. Like, you keep using all these words and in, in this, this verbiage that you expect him to just understand how he should be, especially because he comes from a Caribbean background. Mm-hmm. So like, you got to let him be a kid. You got to let him go through those motions and through those emotions of trying to figure out what it is he's feeling. Like um, recently I had to have a the, converse, the birds and the bees conversation with him a little earlier than I expected to have it. Um because he's curious. And you know, she, when she found out uh what he had did, he had did something. I don't even want to talk about what he did, but he had <laughs> and like her first reaction was to try to scold him for it. And I'm like, nah, you gotta entice his curiosity understand what it is that he's feeling try to understand what it is that he want to know rather than scold him for it because it's not gonna help like him emotionally yeah it, right. so it it's 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 it's, it's rough, it's rough all
0: definitely can be bj I know you got I know you got something to say on this one
3: Now, I do think that the suck it up and cry later is actually there is a duality to it because um, I think that men, whether we want to admit this or not, Um, We're more comfortable to cry in front of women than we are in front of men. So um, one of the the reasons why it becomes traumatic in some senses is because um, women don't understand that when a man cries in front of you, he trusts you. And then when you turn him away, now he's sent back out with no one to trust. A man crying in front of another man, he wants to feel Compassion, And he feels as though he's looking to another man to understand him. Mm -hmm. So when a man sends you away and call you a bitch or a crybaby or whatever, now you're being let down. So all of these emotions that are being misunderstood turns you into something that you're actually not even supposed to embody because you don't have an outlet to express it. So I definitely feel like the suck it up and cry later could go either way depending on whether you're dealing with a woman or dealing with the man. So being centered is the first step into that. Like just accepting that I cry does a hell of a lot in terms of how you express yourself in front of people because after a while you won't care and you'll just be more so focused on finding the people that accept you for having those emotions because I was definitely the person that would cry and you know, the women will be like, you know, cut that shit out. You know, you supposed mm-hmm. to be the man of the house, you know. And I'm like, well, damn, I really feel like, you know, this is what this is where I am right now. And then the men is like, oh, man, you acting like a bitch right now.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: You know what I'm saying? So I can't depend on I can't trust nobody. And this is what sends men out into the world with this attitude of I got to get. I got to get money because you got to overcompensate for things that you feel that you keep getting let down on, you know, and it just turns you into somebody that you don't want to be in the end. You know, you want to be loved, but you got to know how to love yourself in order to command the love that you want from other people. But I mean, how, if you can't even cry.
1: That's
3: a fact. That's
1: that's definitely real. And it's definitely reassuring when like you, you be in one of those situations where, as for me, for example, uh, one of my son's cousins um, died in a car accident a few months ago, and when I found out, I was actually like uh, at happy hour with this young lady that I was dating, and, and like we weren't serious or nothing, but just like that overwhelming feeling of what I felt, like I had to cry, like I had to get it out, and. Her just understanding and being accepting of that made me feel like, okay, like I'm not quote unquote a bitch or I'm not a crybaby because I'm crying about this mm-hmm. and in front of this young lady, you know what I mean. So that that's definitely important.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it, it, it's 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 stuff like that that we do to each other people are due to us that just cause so much like repressed emotion that then comes back out later on in more aggression. And then they wonder like, how, 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 what do you expect if someone, it's just like when you, when you see a kid who's still learning how to talk and they can't find the words that they want to come out of their mouth and then they just throw the toy or they get upset. And it's not because they're necessarily angry. It's because that they are just frustrated at the fact that they can't find what's in their head to come out. And a lot of times us as men are like that, too, because we have been taught so long to suck it up that then when it's time to express it or we're put in that, that position where we have to, we don't we can't find the words. We can't find the 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 feeling. And then it, it comes out in stress. It comes out in depression. It comes out in drinking, it comes out in drug addiction. It comes out in so many different ways. And mm-hmm. it all can go back to that.
3: Now, I got a question, though, um, when a person. Typically, and this is just my example, when a, when I've ever heard suck it up, it came from a woman. Mm-hmm. Ask the woman what it is. Suck what up? You know what I'm saying? Because my question would be, well, how come you can't suck it up when you go through the emotions that you go through? explain to me what your process is for your emotions to help me understand why it is important for me to suck this shit up. Mm-hmm. Because you can't deal with it. You can't mm-hmm. deal with yeah. You know, you know it
1: comes from the false narrative that uh, women are more emotional than men. Like that, I believe that is totally false. I believe I men yeah. are 10 times more emotional than women.
0: And you just you don't know, express it the same
3: way. Right. And yeah. then the thing about the the whole idea of women are much better communicators, that's not true either. They just have strong suits. And communication. Men have been communicating from day one. When you don't get a reaction from a man, that's communication. When a man is not interested in holding a conversation with you and he goes completely silent, that is communication. It's up to you to accept the level of communication that this person is giving you. You can't say, well, he's not communicating with me, so I'm. No, he is communicating with you. Actions speak louder than the words.
0: Mm, they don't want to hear that, though. and I think They don't too, want it. <laughs> and I think, too, like... I, I agree,
1: but slightly disagree. Okay. I slightly agree. I think women over-communicate. Mm. I think I think women over-communicate, but they don't comprehend. Ooh. That's what I think the problem is. Okay. Nah, no, I can feel that. Yeah. I can feel that. Yeah. Yeah. I think women over-communicate, but they don't comprehend. Because you can explain to a woman, like especially for me, speaking for myself, I can explain to a woman what it is that I'm feeling or what it is the lack of that I'm not getting, and she
0: just won't try to understand. That whole what you that, mean, I that, hate it when they they talk about us when we respond with K, when they send long texts, but I hate it when we will flat out say something of how we feel, and it's like what you mean. Did I just like, talk yeah, Spanish? Right. Right.
4: That,
0: <laughs> I'm talking about like they don't comprehend
1: like we can communicate back and forth all day, but it it won't make a difference if nobody comprehends what the other person is saying. It's like you could read a book. But if you don't have no understanding of what the book is trying to tell you, Mm -hmm. then you didn't really read the book.
3: Right, right. And I think that comes from the idea of people wanting you to be like this thing of intentional. Like, in my opinion, when When a person gives you a certain energy or they tell you in so many words, it could be five words or less. But if the five words sum up exactly what this person is feeling, you have to respect that. You know what I'm saying? Because what is valuable to you is not going to always be the same currency to another person. So when we tell men, oh, well, y'all don't communicate we go right back into those spaces where we've been communicating and you just didn't comprehend. And so now we're thinking there's something wrong with us. Mm -hmm, No, we have been saying in so many words, I'm not interested in this shit you talking about, or this has no value to me as a man. I have a ton of other things that are more significant and not to discredit what you're saying, but this is just not of any emotional value to have me act in a certain type of way that you want to draw out of me. Like this is me communicating the level of intent and respect that I have for what you said. You have to respect that. Yeah. You know, so like we send men back into these spaces of thinking, oh well, like I thought I did say I didn't want to go to this raggedy ass motherfucking club. Or well, I thought I did say <laughs> that I don't like these kind of movies. Like you said, like you saying it in your actions. You know what I'm saying? But here you are being scolded for the way you communicate because, again, they have stronger suits in certain areas of communication. But it doesn't mean that they communicate better. Right. You know? Still,
0: yeah there you go shit bro you said it that's it It's a <laughs> mic drive on that one uh oh man so the last one that we have we kind of got into it with that one is love and this um so we talked about our women well, we're going to talk about like even with everything that we face daily as black men pain Anguish, oppression—you, we've talked about it all here. Hurt, you know, grieving, mm-hmm. which BJ brought up. How do we not only properly love our family and friends, but also take time out to love ourselves? Oh okay.
1: man, you gotta, yeah. you gotta, you gotta figure out what you gotta understand the things that you love, and and really just take time and set aside things for, set aside things for you. Like, what is it that you love from? Uh, the very beginning all the way to the end, uh, uh, a female friend of mine told me one time, write down a hundred things that you like, just write down a hundred things and just go through it, you know, every so often and see if you are doing those things actively. Like, so I think it's really big to just make sure you set aside time for yourself to understand and love yourself and mm-hmm. know what the things are that, that bring you joy. The simple things. That's a, that
3: is a really difficult question because I use I use a lot of my time trying to understand the different the different stages that people use for love. Like like the whole in love thing. Like I don't believe in that anymore. Um, and the reason why I say it is, you're supposed to be in whatever love you're experiencing. You have to be fully in it in order for it to even work. So like, what is being communicated when you say, "I'm in love"? Like, shouldn't you, shouldn't it be like something that you're invested in with anybody you love? Like I don't I think that we're trying to explain to people. In so many words that I've been in this position more than one time. And I want you to feel like it's different or better in this particular instance with you, as if you haven't done some of the same things with all of the people that you've been with. So it it becomes an issue of you trying to explain something that you really don't even know how you truly got to the point of even feeling. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah,
1: uh to me it makes it, ma- it makes sense in the aspect of what you're saying it I think people just don't have an idea of what being in love is well just based off my opinion right um mm-hmm. I think the problem is that we separate how we love our friends and family from the way we love a person that we're intimate with right so I think our love for friends and family is totally selfless, right? Like you will go to any amount of depth to to show your love for your mother or your little sister or your little brother or your son or your daughter, right? Mm-hmm. But we separate that in the sense of intimacy, right? Like with a significant other, like we won't be as selfless with them as we are with our family. And I think that's the problem. It's mm. too many conditions. Mm. So if, if we can somehow show that same love to our significant other, then I think that is truly being in love.
3: Right, that's yeah, my I like point. That. I think, yeah. yeah, you made my point. That's exactly yeah. what I was thinking because I think that ultimately when you come into that state where you can't be as selfish or freeing as you would like to be, is because you came into that with stipulations in order right. to even earn the love that you right. get from that person. So, mm-hmm. like, that's the reason why it's so complicated is because I'm supposed to love freely and not have any type of inhibi- inhibitions or conditions on it. I just want to be free to feel what I feel. And you can't always do that in an actual intimate relationship because, again, you can't cry. In front of some of your women that you deal with, or you can't, you can't lose your job like the common person when you in certain relationships, but your family is always going to be there. So the love is a little bit more selfless, like you said, you know, so that in love thing is kind of like just trying to establish another person's ego to feel like he loves me more than the people that he's probably not really communicated his affections to. Right. You know, and you taking advantage of him in that way because he really don't even know how you feel. He's just trying to make you understand that you're important when that's been proven. And the amount of time he spends, the investments, the attention he pays, all of these things have been showing you that. But you're forcing him to communicate a love he never felt. Yeah. You know, But I mean, ultimately, to answer your question, I do think that like um, the first thing a man has to do is love himself first, Mm -hmm. you know, um, take the time to identify what it is that makes you love anything. Um, What does that consist of? And when you figure those things out, how much can I distribute to people in order for me to be comfortable still in prioritizing myself? Um, saving a little bit of love for yourself is very important too. You know, um, that's how you prevent from your love being abused. So it's, it's different steps, and I think everything that Ron was saying is very accurate because when you put too many things in the space to where all you're doing is loving and just not being reciprocated, you'll easily become a volatile or a angry emotional or angry vulnerable person
1: and that don't help nobody. Yeah. When you get in that space with, with two people who are intimate, who are selfless with their love, like it's, it's funny to say, but you don't have to worry about yourself. Right. Real talk. Like like you don't have to worry about yourself. Like as long as I'm doing the things that's making her happy, she's going to do the things that's making me happy and we don't have to worry about, so much lo- loving ourselves because we know who we are. Right, right, right. We, know who we are. But yeah, that's that's very important, man.
0: That's a, y'all niggas killed this shit, man. I, I'm so glad I got y'all together, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
2: hey guys it's your girl back easy hi everybody it's your girl joanne hey guys it's trell and this is the The team Team. and we want to welcome you into our group chat where we talk any and everything from abcs of sex to finding your passion catch us every other tuesday on spreaker apple Podcasts, google play iHeartRadio, spotify and youtube because we live take that take that (laughs) damn so the
0: last thing that we're going to talk about how do we teach this to the next generation so Our sons, our children Our people that are underneath us Like how do we teach them how to discover the love For themselves that seems like all of us Can agree to we have to come come into Over time So Rome you have have a son I'll ask you this first How do you teach your son how to love himself Um
1: I just try to teach him Values and principles So I got this thing where Um I read like month or two like I'll give them what I think are rules of life right so I tell them uh, be kind to others uh, respect yourself make sure people respect you um and sometimes just the content that we consume uh, in the past couple of years I've kind of strayed a little more away from hip-hop, and like listen more to R and B. And I can honestly say it's had an effect on the way that I like communicate with women, um, mm-hmm. stay with women, my spirituality, uh, just like the hip hop culture, even though we don't really think it plays a huge role in who we are, it does. Like, we, we come into it with those st- stigmas of, like, I can't let another nigga fuck my girl or like weird shit like that. But if you just be good and you be nice to a woman, an actual woman, not a girl, a woman, then you'll get the results that you expect.
3: Do you ever find that that is not always the case for you as a man, though? Because there are some instances where I believe that men need to understand the power of leadership first, because um, I was having a conversation with one of my homeboys, and he couldn't understand for the life of himself how this woman keeps coming around asking for money, right? And so um, I let him explain the story, and the story that he told was she came, she asked for a dollar amount that he knew was a sacrifice to make before he even considered giving it to her but in the same space that we talking about vulnerability he would have rather suffered and not had provisions for himself than to look like a broke nigga in front of her like mentally you have to be a leader and understand that no matter what position you are in be comfortable with being honest about who you are and what you're going through so like in this particular instance he was trying to protect his ego and then still yes. gave the girl the money. So now um, we get deeper into the conversation, and then he says, well, now every time um, she needs some money, like she thinks that all she's going to do is have sex with me. And so I asked him a question. I said, well, why didn't you ask for the money when you knew that it was already a sacrifice? Mm-hmm. Again, not wanting to look like a broke nigga in front of the woman. So now you done sent this woman off thinking that, her pussy is worth $1,000 because instead of asking for her, your money back, you asked her, well, what you going to do for me? And she decided what she was mm. going to give you for the money. Like you put her in a position to feel that way.
4: Mm. Yeah.
3: So like yeah. we can, we can say like, in so many ways, like, you know, okay, well we have to do certain things to protect ourselves. But first we have to be leaders, man. Don't be ashamed to be broke. It's a part of the cycle and the, the development of a man, you have to feel you have to feel those feelings. That's how you figure out how to avoid being broke. You gotta know what it feels like, you know. And literally, like he telling the story is just like, man, you know, every time she come, it seem like she asking for more money each time because you, you made love you. you trained her how to love you. Yeah, you know. So now yeah. she thinking that every time she give a man some ass, it's worth a thousand, fifteen hundred, and you set that standard for her. Mm. you should have just asked for your bread back this is not me giving you anything this is a loan and I would have wrote on a piece of paper and made her sign it you know what I'm saying like if you know that you're not in a position to give her nothing like that don't put yourself in that vulnerable place
1: to be taken advantage of damn I don't even know what to say about that (laughs) oh you you, you know what so that's crazy because I was having this conversation the other day Um, at some point I feel like all men have been taken advantage of by a woman, whether it's been emotionally or financially, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I can say I've been in a space where a woman has taken it, a, a, a girl has taken advantage of me financially, but I was a teenager, right? And like, I guess what you're saying in regards to being a leader, you learn quick, right? Like mm-hmm. like you have, you have to go through these things in order for you to learn it. So you know, I bought a girl a pair of sneakers when I was like 16 or whatever, and you know, she was she wasn't really feeling me, but she knew I had it because I was making a couple of dollars. And I learned from then that okay, like this is not how a relationship is supposed to go. Yeah. Like it's be you know equal balance. Like when I don't have it, you got me. And when mm-hmm. Not you just coming to me every time you give me some pussy. Like, nah, we don't move it like that. Yeah.
3: (laughs) But I mean, again, it's like, we train our men to think that that is like compensation for the sacrifices that we make. Like, you know, we go through, you know, so much that really is like a strain on our physical and mental being, all of this stuff that we go through. And we make that sufficient, you know, in certain spaces, because as uh, you know, as we've come up around other men, other men train you to believe that it's okay to just settle for that, you know? Mm -hmm. So now as adults, we complaining about women always asking for money when you probably set the standard for how much she charge, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? So like leadership is important. Like start saying no,
1: you know what I'm saying? It's, it's it's funny that you word it that way. I never thought about it in the sense of leadership. And now that you're saying it, it's bringing it to call for me because I guess I've always been a leader in that way where, like, I'm not the oldest dude in the group, but I always had, like, an older mentality. And right, right, it, right. So I, I, I totally get what you're saying. I totally get it. What about and, you?
0: Uh... I don't know, man. Um, I've never experienced that because I've always been a cheapskate with my money. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not giving <laughs> nobody no <new> money. Uh, <laughs> but no, I, I, I do like kind of what I said earlier. I think we do treat people how to love them and we how to love us. And when you, as men, as as men, when we accept certain things like giving someone money or think or making a female feel like, like you coming and sucking my dick is gonna do anything. Like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, it's not mm. really like. I mean yeah you okay you you physically did something for me but but if you're going to be with me it takes more than that like I need more than that from you. you like that's not love that's lust that's not love I can lust you all day that's not fucking love so I think too we like we we do we look at lust first as love and we and we learn more than that as we go but initially it's just like when you are younger and you first start getting your real piece of ass, when she fucking the shit out of you, you feel like, oh, she loves the hell out of me. No, mm-hmm. she's trying to get her nut like you trying to get her nut, uh, get, get her uh, nut. Like, that's it. Uh, sure.
3: Yeah, it's harsh realities, man. <laughs> harsh realities.
0: But to get back on, like, how do we teach the next generation? I really think we're the first, we're the first generation that really understands the importance of mental health. So we, we can't let our children down by not making sure that they know what it took us thirty plus years to to learn, in a sense, you feel me. Mm-hmm. So with that, like it, like with my sons, it's okay to be angry, but tell me why you're angry. Right, let's talk right. through it. I need to know what you're mad at. You're mad at the toy's not doing which. Okay, so what what exactly do you want it to do? Like process stuff. How do we process it? Because for me, growing up, it was it wasn't I, there was no slowing down to understand why I was mad. There was no slowing down for that. I had too much stuff on my plate to even think to slow down and put energy into that. So now it's like. Now that we know how detrimental that can be to our health, we have to teach them better. We have to give them the mm-hmm. blueprint that now we're building currently.
3: Right, right. And mm-hmm. it's going to get harder over time because um, the next generation has a a certain level of rebellion, a healthy level of rebellion to where they, they have a keen instinct to already know that some of the things being handed down to them are bullshit. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying, and that that's the most interesting thing because I don't think that we've ever well we didn't I don't think that we didn't have it, I think that we just didn't think it was okay to display it because we were always manipulated to believe that being quiet was respectful mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, so now that this generation is kind of like "Fuck that, I'm not accepting this, and they have a certain level of um." I don't know if it's emancipation in their spirit to where they like, look, I'll I'd rather be homeless than to be, you know, a slave in my own home. Or i will rather like go without than to be persecuted for feeling the things that I feel like they have this certain level of resilience that I don't think we were comfortable enough to feel. So um, I really don't know what we can hand them down. But I think that if we kind of like set those same steps and standards to express ourselves even more, they'll understand a certain level of dignity versus just being as brash or outrageous about going about some of the things that they do, because sometimes in being expressive, you can be careless, Yeah, you know what I'm saying? But for the most part, I think that they'll be fine. Like just the fact that we are all realizing that, we feel things is a huge step in the right direction. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. for them, I just think it's just basically us just showing them the dignity of it all because these kids today don't give a fuck. Yeah. They, they blatant about how they feel. You know, they're very fluid in their sexuality. They not hiding. They not having, it's not like us where we had to like have a coming out moment of any kind. Like they just like, look, this is me. You know what I'm saying? So um, they already pretty much in the step or taking steps in the right direction already. So there you go. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Just add just to add to that, um, I I feel like we are in that generation of parents to where we letting our kids know that we're not perfect. Yeah, yeah, that too. Yeah. A lot of grew up thinking that our parents were perfect, and then you get older. And you start to hear all the family stories and all the things that's going on. And you be like, oh, like my mother is a woman just like any other woman. Like she made mistakes just like any other woman. Or my father is a man just like any other man. He mm-hmm. made mistakes just like every other man. So I think that's important to teach our children. And I try to make sure I tell my son that all the time. Listen, I know you love me and you want to be like me but I am not perfect. Mm-hmm. I am not perfect. I, I, didn't, I purposely didn't want you to be a junior because I want you to be better than me.
4: Mm. I, don't mm. want you, mm. I don't want
1: you to be me. I want you to be better than me. So just making sure that we, we do those things, that's how we can make sure that we push the love forward and make sure that they're learning these things. For sure. For
0: yep. sure. For sure. Well, that's it. We did that thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank y'all for joining. Thank, thank you all for taking time out. I know everyone's busy, so I appreciate y'all. Um, any parting words? If not, go ahead and leave them with your social media. Who wants to go first?
1: Yeah, I ain't yeah, got nothing else. All right. Yeah, first, um, man, thank you for having me, first and foremost. um, Reaching all the way out. Oh, anytime, um, bro. Yeah, that's a fact. Um, But, yeah, you can catch me on... Instagram, the Rebel Rome, R H O M E. Don't forget the H. Um, follow Our Truths podcast at our like the time H O U R Truths podcast. All right, make sure you go and
0: check them out, BJ.
1: Well, you can find me. Uh, you can find me at
3: Dergo BJ um, on Twitter, D E R G O B J on Twitter. I have a um, show page that pretty much houses everything that I do. And um, that is the subject change on Instagram. Um, Any comments, questions, or otherwise you can hit me up in the email too, at changed subject, C H A N G E D subject at gmail.com. And just hit Hayes up. If you can't get through those, (laughs) he can get, he'll get you to me however he gets you to me so
0: absolutely you guys can follow me at ceo hayes that's c-e-o-h-a-i-z-e you can follow the podcast at awaken soul pod and you can also send us any feedback questions comments concerns the awaken soul pod at gmail.com this has been another episode and we out peace
1: bitches love podcast get 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 down
2: streets were killers of walk like Pistol Pete and Pappy Mason gave the young boys admiration. Prince from Queens and Fritz from Harlem, street legends. The drugs kept the hood from starving. Pushing cars, Nicky Barnes was the 70s, but there's a long list of high-profile celebrities. Worldwide on the thorough side of things, live as kings. Some died, one guy, one time, one day grabs me. As I'm about to blast heat, 40 side of burning. I turn, well he asks me, what you up to the cops